since October 2017, a shadowy presence has been growing within conspiracy circles. The cult-slash-far-right political movement-slash-pseudo-religious awakening, known as QAnon, is now poised to make its presence known at the highest levels of the American power structure. In just a few short years, this refined, high-powered conspiracy theory has gone from obscure posts on an obscene image posting board to a formidable presence within the president's core following. Mainstream media outlets are finally waking up to the importance of this topic, and those of us who have been paying attention all along are left shaking our heads. It isn't a fun topic, and consider this your warning that this episode will deal with some pretty nasty things. Child kidnapping, torture, and worse among them, though, spoilers, most of it is admittedly fictional and exists only within the dreams of the conspiracy-addled mind. But after speaking with some friends recently and the discovering that, though curious, many of them did not know exactly what QAnon really was, I decided that it would be doing my audience a disservice by not dealing with this topic at least once. This is Wide Atlantic Weird, a podcast about why people believe weird things. I'm Kean, and from here at the Cabin in the Woods in Wild West Cork, I investigate stories of monsters, hauntings, UFOs and other fringe beliefs. We're critical, not cynical here at the Cabin, and do enjoy all kinds of myths and legends. But we're not afraid to roll up our sleeves and address beliefs that are destructive and problematic and call them out for what they are. It's getting deeper into autumn in the forest outside. The ash trees, sycamore and rowan trees are all starting to turn. The chill in the air is more pronounced. I promise that very soon we'll be dealing with all sorts of fun, spooky topics uh, as, we approach, as we approach October and Halloween. But before then, we have some work to do. My beer for this episode is a can of Mammoth IPA from Wicklow Wolf Brewing, a fine mix of Chinook, Cascade and Eureka hops. I'm going to need something stiff to get me through this one. Grab yourself a beverage and prepare to find out what is QAnon and why should you be worried? We are certain that Satanism exists. It's the practice of evil. And following closely behind this car was this unidentified flying object. You will prove the existence of the Bigfoot or Sasquatch by bringing in a body. Hi folks, Kian here. Welcome to the episode and welcome to the cabin. I love autumn. Like I said in the opening, I have all sorts of great exciting things coming up in later episodes. But I only really have one shout out to do at the moment before we get into our main conversation. And it's kind of linked to our last episode about the Yorkshire werewolf. Shortly after that one was uploaded, I noticed that the Irish uh, cartoon company Cartoon Saloon have a new film coming out called Wolf Walkers. And I don't know too much about it. I've just seen the trailer, but it looks gorgeous. Their animation is always top drawer. It's really exciting to see an Irish company making headway. And they they have piles of awards for some of their recent films. And I, I'm a bit of a fan. This one appears to be about sort of medieval Irish werewolf legends, which if you're interested in, do check out our previous episode. It is coming out in Ireland and the UK on October 30th. If you're of a mind to go to the cinema, it will be out there. If you're avoiding things like cinemas, it will be on various streaming services as well. But the company, again, is uh, Cartoon Saloon, and the film is called Wolfwalkers. I don't have anything to do with them. I just, I'm interested in that sort of thing, and it looks exciting. 
So with that, we'll get into our conversation with Dr. Donald Gill, my own brother, and the cabin's resident political scientist. Okay, Donald, thanks for joining us. You are you're a doctor, Donald Gill, at the moment. You have recently uh, successfully defended your PhD. I have. I'm not just doctor at the moment. I, I'm doctor in perpetuity. But, uh, per- a, that sounds very impressive. Perhaps not the one that you want to call on an airplane if anything goes wrong. But uh, No, certainly anyone... the one to call on if you need to hear about the life of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unfortunately no one would accept me for my proposed dissertation topic on Hogan studies. So I had, <laughs> I had to settle for political science instead. Definitely the most um, qualified person we've ever had on the show to talk about political science or the life of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> my, my, ju- are, my dual mandate. <laughs> we are here to talk about QAnon. I've avoided it for a while, but I think it's important enough that it would be a bit a bit lame of me to avoid it altogether. So here we are. Um, I My plan is I'm going to talk about the origins of it on, on uh, 4chan, basically, and sort of the basic tenets of what, what, what the belief is. And um, you've been reading more about the social and political state of it at the moment. I sure have, yeah, and it's really, I suppose, over the course of the summer in particular, but really uh, the trend since the lockdown and uh, since COVID and everything has been that QAnon has been seeping consistently but prominently out of the dark shadows and into the mainstream in a way that is um, really profoundly political with implications uh, in a number of um electoral districts across the United States, uh, especially for Congress um, in the November elections. And one thing I would just say as a general kind of thing is that uh, much of what we're going to talk about today in the political dimension probably applies most directly right now to the United States. But one of the most uh, iron laws of politics is that it's it's the most imitative of all human endeavors. And if you think that QAnon isn't going to start rearing its head in other directions, political jurisdictions, other electoral campaigns, other political parties, um, you're wrong. Because unless all of these candidates who are uh, pumping out Q stuff um, implicitly and explicitly, unless they get a resounding uh, no at the ballot box come November, we're going to see more of it outside of the US. And it's it's sort of latest iteration, which is the so-called save the children thing. don't know if you've followed on that. We will get to it. In, is picking up steam in the UK at the moment. So it's it's morphing at the moment into something that where, where people are doing it but not actually realizing what its origins are. So you get people, I suppose, with, with good intentions. I mean, I suppose everybody thinks they have good intentions, but it's it's now sucking in new movements which were not originally part of its space. And it's it's sucking in groups that you would not traditionally have expected to be involved in something like this. There's a natural tendency towards fusion in the kind of conspiracy uh, climate or orbit or whatever. Um, And this is just part of how these things operate and they overlap and the Venn diagram gets very, very messy. And it's often the case that people are spreading things that they don't understand the origins or the implications of. And you and I have discussed in the past, it's well um, established through social psychology that openness toward conspiratorial thinking uh, doesn't begin and end with one conspiracy. It, it usually is a, a series of dominoes falling. And the, the chain of causation is that you become 
kind of embroiled in more and more and more and more. And so it's kind of the, the way in which these multiple conspiracies or these multiple narratives regarding the macro themes of, of Q, such as uh, um, shadowy elites, uh, implicit control, these kinds of things, they tend to overlap in ways where multiple conspiratorial narratives are at play and that, that just makes it um, available for manipulation by a wider range of actors and then you can suck people in from uh, a wider range of, I suppose, entry points. In for a penny, in for a pound is the other is the other side of it. I've actually found it very, very sad over the last little while watching. Like there were particular groups of kind of unusual belief people who I'm a little soft on and I, I just, you know, they're a bit kooky, but I feel like they're essentially harmless, like certain kinds of new age stuff, which it's just been really sad for me watching those get sucked in. I would say that, that that's been the the big growth area to use kind yeah. of business terminology. Yeah. That's been the growth area for the Q movement over this past summer, really. That's where they've kind of gained most of their, their new kind of members through initiatives. I mean, I don't know if it's too, you know, it's not that organized to say that there's planned initiatives, but, the, you know, this idea of save the children, you know, like it, how could it possibly be controversial to be against um, yeah. uh, human trafficking, child sex Soft trafficking? Soft targets, really. Yeah, so... And especially when you have people who are already have a predisposition towards, you could say, distrust of government or distrust of official sources of power, authority, or knowledge creation, or those kinds of things. You have those people who are already kind of primed towards, well, I go against the mainstream. And then you yeah. give them an entry point, which is on a kind of morally in incontrovertible issue of something like child sex slavery, which is among, like, if it exists or where, when and where it exists, it's as bad as we could possibly imagine, you know, short of genocide or whatever. So you kind of soften people up through that prism in a way where like, how could you possibly be against this? And how could you deny this? And it's so it's almost such a rambunctious and, and outrageous and offensive charge that to not take it seriously feels like a dereliction of your moral duty as well. Won't someone please think of the children? <laughs> so uh, I intend this episode just to be a primer, more or less. We're not experts in this particular thing. Um, it's just something we've been paying attention to. I do know there are some folks out there who we interact with who are indeed kind of following up on this every single day, every single week, getting into the nitty gritty. And yeah, like I said, this might this might be too simple for you. But speaking to friends this week, there are a lot of people who don't actually know what this is and, and, and would could stand to do so. So QAnon is a sort of a an online movement or or idea with conspiracy and certainly cult-like tendencies it basically is the idea that there's an evil shadowy cabal controlling everything as is common in, in many older conspiracies kind of what makes this one unique is it's it's deliberately political political it's based based around sort of veneration of trump and him being this like super genius who's famously playing in dimensional chess and that everything that he seems to be doing that appears on the surface to be kind of um, like a little bit silly or maybe maybe not very effective is actually all a bluff, all a cover, and he, he knows exactly what he's doing. And this evil cabal have been, you know, responsible for all terrible things on Earth for seemingly hundreds of years until now. And he's the, the golden boy who's going to save everyone. And there's going to be, very shortly in the future, there will be this kind of day of reckoning where all of his political enemies, which is basically everybody who is against him, which is most people in media, most people in Hollywood, anyone who's a Democrat, 
and with a, a serious hang up obviously on people like the Clintons and the Obamas they're all going to be arrested and taken away to Gitmo or something oh and, and also all of them are like literally demonic sort of satanic child murdering pedophile cabal people yeah I would say at its most simple form the the conspiracy theory posits that like you said there's the shadowy cabal of um I would say liberal elites is a good way to think of it. They're always presented as liberal elites. And that's, so that means, yeah, uh, members of the Democratic Party and the Democratic establishment. Um, the political class is a big part of this. Hollywood and other forms of sort of uh, high level, powerful entertainment figures. So that kind of overlaps with traditional anti-Semitic tropes. Uh, you know, again, fertile ground there in terms of the overlap for, you know, existing conspiratorial narratives. Um, and then a big part of it as well is that these people have control of the um, deeper levers of power that are unseen to the eyes of the regular electorate. So we think that elected politicians control the government, but in actuality, they, you know, they do have some decision-making power, but the ability to actually implement legislative decisions happens outside of the public view through the, sometimes you might call it the civil service or the bureaucracy. And the expression that can, that's really, it's become heavily, heavily politicized now. This is not a term that any political scientist of, of any repute would really use. The term is deep state. And so the, the kind of messianic figure of Trump, who comes from outside of the world of traditional or established politics, is in there as an elected fish, official in a kind of a typical populist mold as a representative, almost a uh, personification and, uh, of the people, the re regular average people. And he is waging a war against these liberal elites. Um, and, through, and, and the liberal elites are not just manifested through the kind of the elected politicians of the Democratic Party and the Hollywood establishment or whatnot, but most profoundly in the deep state, which are the, again, the non-elected government bureaucrats and civil servants who are all serving the nefarious ends of the uh, shadowy cabal of liberal elites. And ultimately, the goal um, and ongoing project of the liberal elites is to continue to pursue a satanic cult of pedophilia in the name of drinking children's blood to give themselves eternal life because there's a property in the children's blood called adrenochrome that gives them the ability to live forever. Now various versions of this conspiracy will emphasize one thing or another. Um, but they like kind of like Scientology, it can be amplified in different ways. But when you get to the heart of it, it's essentially Trump represents the people, the Democrats represent the deep state, and the goal of the deep state and the liberals is to perpetuate pedophilia in the name of Satan worship and living forever, which of course is, you know, heretical. And not in every version of it are they literally demons, but in some they absolutely are. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a vast many chambered thing and it's difficult to come at it in a way that will make it make any sense because it, it sort of doesn't it, it is there is no central well besides the Q person themselves whoever they may be um, it, it is mostly down to a sort of satellite network of secondary grifters who interpret things the Q says via chat boards yeah so it, it all emerged from the uh, I suppose the troll website really uh, 8chan which is itself a derivative back of... When, the, back the, when it was 4chan, originally. Was it... I, th I thought it started on 8chan. 
Well, I'll give I'll give a little brief. I've got to mention the the precursor to all this, of course, was Pizzagate in two thousand sixteen, and that's when the you had the release of those those emails from the guy who was the in charge of Hillary Clinton's campaign. That was the John Podesta fellow, and hundreds well, so, of thousands uh, of pages. Yeah, of, so to better explain that is that the the server of the Democratic National Convention, whose chairman was John Podesta, was hacked most likely by Russian trolls. Much of that information was then was leaked by a combination of WikiLeaks, and it seems as though the Trump campaign was implicated in some way, shape, or form in this also. Um, but very, very heavily puppeteered from afar by essentially what's called the IRA, which is the Internet Research Agency, which is the organized disinformation and trolling agency of the Kremlin. Now, it's I think it's probably fair to say that there's a lot of stuff in those emails which is not complimentary to the campaign, but I mean, I think it's it's sort of unsurprising common or garden evidence of just kind of how hand in glove uh, the Democrats are with with big banks, big business. Um, it sort of as people who pay attention to this stuff say that it it paints in, in finer detail the how exactly those relationships are. But I mean, I don't think any of that should be a particular surprise to anyone who's aware of how Washington operates. And yet, when that none of that stuff was kind of what what got traction what got traction was the use of occasional unusual turns of phrase that certain people identified as maybe being code for something else yeah so there was a lot of reference to pizza and this particular pizza parlor which is all which doubles as like a a, a, a ping pong venue table tennis venue yeah uh, comet ping pong in, in dc yeah, yeah comet pizza and ping pong it's in the washington dc suburbs it's actually apparently a place that's kind of pretty you know, like a lot of probably venues with a decent amount of room in a in in DC. You know, it's a venue where political meetings happen or whatever. But there was just a lot of mentions in the Podesta email leaks about pizza and cheese and having uh, events at this particular place and needing to order more pizzas and all this. And again, this was kind of decoded, supposedly, and interpreted by people online to all be a sort of a again, a shadowy language to, you know, uh, illicitly discuss their uh, pedophilia ring, which was happening in the basement of Comet Ping Pong. Now, of course, not only was there not a pedophilia ring happening in Comet Ping Pong, but the place doesn't even have a basement. But nonetheless, a man from North Carolina drew, drove to Washington, D.C. with a shotgun and went in there to try to uh, liberate the enslaved children. Uh, and it's... It's a pretty awful thing. There's a there's a pretty good documentary on HBO about this whole thing. Uh, it's about our disinformation more generally, and they they spend a lot of time talking to the staff, and the owner of Comet Ping Pong, and the people who were there on the day that this guy went in there. And you see, it's like, first of all, it's just, it's you know, when you see the conspiracy promoting real action in the real world, it's really something else. The the transition from online, I suppose, um, flippancy into real world action and, and violent action is something but when you see the faces and the and hear the words of the people affected by it it really hammers home just like wow this is this is real that people take this seriously and this this 2016 sort of mini conspiracy theory is then amplified by usual suspects such as alex or alex jones but also by people actually in the trump campaign like michael flynn and all of the elements are already there you've got this implication of a a network of of like well-connected high-end particularly democrat pedophiles you've got elements of the satanic stuff coming in as well 
and we we have elements here going right back to 1980s satanic panic stuff and then you've got if you want to push it all the way back to like which which hunts and all of the same you know it's i feel like these are different leaves on the same tree and all of this stuff is leading up to what becomes the birth of of QAnon. so in october 2017 on 4chan when it was still 4chan so i've been following this guy called q origins who's very interesting and basically what he does is he goes through the original posts by the person who comes comes to know as q and he just talks about the culture that was on the on the board at the time and what he points out is that q is in no way unusual in this place and at this time there is already i mean it's it's already a massively racist and anti-semitic and pro-nazi board full stop it's it's a it's called paul pol for politics i presume and he q emerges in this sort of environment where constantly people are appearing and pretending to be oh i'm a i'm an insider with the government and they're they call themselves anons because it's an anonymous board but like he pops up in the middle of a time when there's a guy called let me see now uh q there's fbi anon there's another guy called cia anon and they're all pretending to be insiders and literally when 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 they show up people say things like oh god not another one <laughs> you know <laughs> which kind of makes me think if you've ever looked up the 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 origins of you know if first level first century judea where oh actually it turns out the jewish people at that time and place were all geared up for a messiah and there were loads and loads and loads of people were popping up you know with start, starting little sects and we've forgotten most of them but one of them got traction but you know he you have to understand the the context of where these things begin yeah and all of the, the elements the same that... thing is true of um mormonism and like uh joseph, joseph smith joseph smith was like not the only prophet to emerge from upstate new york that week yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> literally there were there were a dime a dozen in the early 1820s everyone was yeah. was was reviving something or whatever so this is hilarious to me. There's already a culture of like being a fake insider and everybody knows it and everybody recognizes it and they're actually quite jaded with it. But something about Q takes off and um, he gets traction in a way that some of these other ones didn't. And actually his first, so they call, the insiders call his his posts drops, Q drops. His first one is replying to another guy who is already talking about the cabal and how Hillary Clinton's going to be arrested and 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 all of this so a lot of the elements are already in place before he even shows up it has the classic um jehovah's witness kind of um structure as well of like this big thing is about to happen this big thing is about to happen and for jehovah's witnesses of course it's the rapture is coming but q's initial traction was like any day now hillary clinton's about to get elected or sorry so uh, funny, uh, yeah. arrested sorry not elected arrested yeah what's the name of that book um about the you know the apocalypse that never comes waiting for the apocalypse or something there was a famous uh, it'll, it'll come to me yeah i i'm thinking of it too it's um that's where cognitive dissonance comes from they, yeah, were, they were called yeah. the, the seekers mm. uh, leon festiger wrote the book um yeah wait, i think it's called when prophecy fails when prophecy fails that's the one yeah now actually it turns out that that situation was a little bit dicey and he not everything that he claimed was Anyway, that's another story. So that's just good the, fifty social science, Kian. <laughs> the first Q drop is twenty eighth of October two thousand seventeen, and he's replying to another guy who says uh, Hillary Clinton will be arrested between seven forty five a.m. and eight thirty a.m. on Monday, the morning of October thirtieth. 
and and the the guy who will become known as Q comes along. And Q, by the way, is um is an actual thing. It means you have some sort of Q level clearance within the American government or military. It's 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 a real it's a real thing. So he comes along, but but turning up on 4chan and giving yourself these names is not new. So he shows up and he it's so funny. It's all this like dick measuring. It's all these different guys trying to one up each other by saying, "Oh, you think you know what's happening? Well, I'm going to add more detail." So then he says. HRC, which is Clinton, extradition already in motion, effective yesterday, with several countries in case of cross-border run. Passport approved to be flagged effective. Effect, expect massive riots organized in defiance and others fleeing the US to occur. US Marines will conduct the operation. Uh, proof check. Locate a, an NG member and ask if activated for duty across most major cities. And originally, Q is is predicting very specific things like these arrests will happen to these prominent Democrats on these particular dates. But, you know, when prophecy fails, he he becomes less likely to do this. His his, uh, quotes get more vague and become these sort of puzzle things that need to be interpreted, which I think is was part of his his charm and why why this took off. Well, I I never double-checked the, I suppose, the specific empirical claims made in When Prophecy Fails by Festinger um, et al. He had a few co-writers, I think. But the core kind of um, social psychological hypothesis is that when faced with evidence that disconfirms a deeply held belief that you have invested social capital in, instead of foregoing that belief, you double down on it. And so yes. the, the, when the seeker cult uh, leader was, was prune, pro, uh, shown to be fallible in that the end date of the world didn't arrive, instead of saying, oh, I guess we should leave this cult, they started to say that, oh, it's our belief in the leader that stopped the world from ending. And then they started proselytizing and trying to convert people. So like that's the, the central hypothesis is that you know instead of dealing with the kind of psychological trauma or anguish or pain of having invested both your mind and your social standing in this idea that now you've kind of been shown to be maybe a fool is is too harsh but you know you've shown to be to be wrong or fallible instead of accepting that you go harder so what what the, the really bizarre dynamic is that like q being wrong probably ultimately helped so long as q being wrong happens after enough people have staked enough of a claim in their belief in this so that it can then get they get more hardcore right and obviously like we see this with trump constantly right no nothing can bring trump down because so many people haven't they've they've tied their they've tied their wagon to him no matter what and what that looks like on the ground is you know q says hillary clinton will be arrested and she isn't but then all of the secondary sort of interpreters you know examine photographs until they find something that there's this common theory that oh she's like under some kind of house arrest so she's still able to do things in public but she's got this like ankle bracelet that you know controls her movement or something so you know whatever you can find to to fit in with your what your expectation and prevent you from having to change your mind you will you will find and that's that's what cogdis is yes exactly yeah a lot of a lot of people don't actually understand that it's they just think it's like when you feel anguish but it's it's when you have a deeply held belief that's disconfirmed by evidence right before your eyes that you can't actually um, disprove, so you disavow it. That's what cognitive yeah. dissonance is. 
So later QJAPs are more cryptic and I think this is part of, he basically gamifies all of life for his followers. Um, and so so a, a fairly typical later drop goes like this. Patriots don't sleep. 40,000 feet necessary to understand global events. Paint the picture. Decrease altitude. Why is no such agency a Q group? Who has clearance? Uh, which agency is at war with clowns in America? How does POTUS shift narrative? And it's all it's all these generic like these these question mark things and then a secondary guy comes along and makes a video explaining it to you. And that's that's kind of the nature of it. So I mean that's what most of them are like. Yeah, and, and what what this does is it creates a really thriving subculture or second like you say a secondary ecosystem of interpreters and explainers and you know i many, think many of whom are cele minor celebrities in their own right within this world and many of whom are making big money off it selling things selling books selling courses uh, selling merchandise oh god yeah and <laughs> the, there's a huge number of facebook groups lots of which are monetized through ad you know they're selling ads and all the rest of it and of course it's massive on youtube as well um as twitter and instagram and so like essentially you can't go mainstream from something like 8chan. So in order for this to really grow and grow and grow. Now that doesn't mean that you can't uh, incite actors toward violence or other forms of, of, of pretty bad and dodgy behaviors from 8chan. We've seen an awful lot of white supremacists and you know terrorists, domestic terrorists, and, and people like this guy who went to Comet Pizza in DC from North Carolina. He was responding to the 8chan as lots of other people have. And a lot of these, you know, quote unquote, lone wolf gunmen are not so lone because they're acting from these message boards like 4chan and 8chan. But in order to get anything approximating like wide levels of support, the, the conspiracy theory has to go from 8chan to these secondary mediums, these more popular, these more widely used mediums. Like you say, something like 8chan is it's really, really, really dank and dirty and gross. And it's <laughs> it's the place where that tendency of internet culture to err on the side of irony and trolling is amplified to 1000% everything. I mean, this is where the Pepe memes, Pepe dressed as Hitler and Pepe torturing people and all that kind of stuff. That's where all that awful stuff comes from and the really disgusting porn and well, one of the things that's interesting to note, when you go back and look at the original conversations, like I said, the Q person is responding to somebody else who is spreading more or less the same kind of conspiracies. Like, these guys are being pilloried. Most of them get absolutely buried in the comments and everybody's like, yeah, whatever. Everyone, everyone is claiming this and nothing ever changes. Nothing gets any better. And the context of this really is 2000, late 2017, like super Trump fans who are beginning to get disillusioned and beginning to be disappointed because he's not getting the wall built. He's not making Mexico pay for it. He's not doing all these things. He said he's not arresting Hillary Clinton. And now here comes somebody with, well, actually, here's a new magical version of reality in which all, not only are, all the, are you getting all those things you want, but more, you know, it's like a super hyper version of what you want is real and you can buy into it. And, and there there's was a community for it. There was a thing that happened in the summer of 2016 on those kind of, uh, I suppose, dark corners of the internet, such as 4 and 8chan as well, where, uh, you know, the like I said, the Pepe the Frog memes and Trump memes more generally just became kind of like uh, just a passion project of so many of these ironic kind of 
trolls and whatnot. And there was a kind of a, a feeling amongst that sect that they had used... This is a thing that people actually talk about. They, they used meme magic to, like, meme Trump into the White House. And I think it's, you know, like, this is where the kind of the alt-right comes from to a large degree, right? You know, you get softened up to go into the alt-right and start to think about race in a really toxic and negative way by just like having a bit of a laugh you know oh holocaust we can joke about that oh come on free speech you know this kind of stuff and so the the alt-righters on and 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 worse on the message boards started to spread this idea like we memed trump to the white house our our pepe memes and our other trump memes got our guy in and now he's going to kind of go and attack the the swamp and put a wrecking ball to the establishment or whatever. And yeah, the, the prevailing mood online towards the end of 2017, as Trump kind of reached one year in office, was that like, this hasn't been much to, to write home about. And so then when the Q thing came about, there was at least a decent portion of the internet that was kind of ready to get back toward like, let's get our memes going in order to rechange things or whatever. And of course, like I think you were about to suggest, it also, in the eyes of those internet figures it recast trump in a positive light to see that like all oh, trump is doing things behind the scenes at a deeper level that you know again we need these interpreters and this this voice from within to explain to us i i think also i mean i think it's fair to say that like if a conspiracy theory catches on there is some need that's being addressed or there is some truth that's being spoken to and it, i mean in this case like for me as somebody who who has has a dim view of the the relationship between most states and like big business and banking and stuff like the idea that there is some some non democratic uh, element to how things actually come about you know I understand that feeling I understand why people might want to gravitate towards that I think in truth it's quite complicated and difficult to parse but this here it is wrapped up into a simple goodies baddies star wars kind of version of it yeah um, like the, the other side of the coin of the um, soft entry point into the Q conspiracy, like one side of the coin being uh, pedophilia is, uh, is an, a mor- like an immoral absolute, right? You know, or it's absolutely morally wrong, whatever. The other side of that coin is um, that Washington and just let's say establishment politics more broadly is rife with corruption and that Trump is the wrecking ball to destroy that. He's going to drain the swamp, etc. So when you hear... Uh, people at Trump rallies wearing Q anon gear and supporting the cause or whatever asked like why do you like this one of the very common refrains is I just like the anti-corruption side of it I like that he's against corruption which of course is I mean not to say that the the Washington establishment isn't awash in super PAC money coming from corporations and all the rest of it because of course it is it's utterly compromised by the plutocratic agenda but to say that Trump, of all people, is an anti-corruption crusader is as farcical as you could possibly imagine. I mean, we're looking at the most kleptocratic, griftomatic administration the universe has ever seen. And, you know, there is competition there. That's not to say that the others weren't, weren't, weren't clean as a whistle. They were being bought and sold left, right and center, right, by the NRA, by the Christian right by the big corporations, etc. Like that's, you know, the, that money is pulsing through the veins of almost anyone in elected office in Washington. It's like a prerequisite. It's almost impossible not to be colored by this. Um, at, the, at the same time, over the last few years, we've had, 
like we've had things come to like you know in the uk then in, in 2014 you had the, the jimmy savile thing which you know dug up a net a literal network of well-connected you know british media people who were doing terrible things sexually and and were covering each other and being covered up by by a larger network and then obviously we had epstein and then we had weinstein so like this is what people will point to to say oh yeah they're all connected they're all that this is the the pedo ring this is evidence of the pedo ring so i do think that conspiracy theories serve to simplify stuff that can be real or that there is a germ of truth but it, it, it has been sort of sweetened or or simplified for easier consumption perhaps hey look the the kgb who are you know the the, the real masters of, the, of like global disinformation and of course they pass that down into the the secret police in post-Soviet Russia and into the, the, you know, the, the, like I said, the IRA, which is the, the Kremlin sort of disinformation online campaign. Um, they understand that no conspiracy theory can ever gain any traction unless there's a kernel of truth at the heart of it. And like you say, it has to respond to something that's a potential hot button issue. You know, I mean, the reason the Russians utilize disinformation is because democracies rely on a shared public sphere where people can agree to disagree, where people can have an established base of facts upon which the conversation is predicated. And we can disagree on value, but we can't disagree on fact. Well, what conspiracy theories do is that they strike at the heart of that shared common ground that we all acknowledge we're standing on and is solid and has an irrefutable basis. Um, but you have to strike in order to like strike on issues that are likely to be emotive and are likely to promote, you know, those kind of primordial emotions that are likely to um, propel someone to share something. I mean, that's how virality works. That's why outrage and disgust and shock, these are the things that, that you know, make information of, of any sort go viral, right? You know, it's like, what what's more likely to... Uh, to gain big numbers in shares online, you know, just like a crazy headline or a thoughtful and nuanced article, you know, it's people, they just emote and the Russians understand this. And there, of course, I'm not saying the Russians are necessarily behind QAnon, but again, like I said, politics and all things related to it are extremely imitative and people are learning how to, to work this. And you better believe that the Russians are, and there are subsidiaries in other countries. I mean, they have farms elsewhere of trolls, they are pumping up the kind of content that helps this continue to grow and helps, you know, but they're also pumping up the stuff that's, you know, antagonistically aggressive in responding back to this because, again, they just want disorder. They want that shared common ground to be, uh, to be fractured because it makes an otherwise not especially um, powerful country in the wider geopolitical sphere have undue and... Uh, excessive influence i mean that's that's the putin master plan there's going back to the 1960s there are some stories like that still go around in like like ufo belief circles about russian uh, articles and scientific articles about like ancient alien stuff which there is decent evidence for that that was deliberately put together to feed the sort of burgeoning movement for ancient alien stuff in the u.s in in the late 60s after eric von daniken's book came out just just desperate to do anything to weaken the public's you know feed any minority interest groups um in terms of anti-science stuff or sort of groups that would be anything that would make them suspicious of scientific authority and hey look you know that that thing that was doing the rounds 
back in the uh, early days of the coronavirus that it had escaped from a Chinese weapons lab or something. Yeah. That was that was the story about AIDS, that it escaped from a military base in Baltimore. And that was <laughs> planted in a nondescript local newspaper in um, somewhere in India by the KGB. And they took their time and they waited. And it over the course of a couple of years, it went from a small little article planted in the nondescript newspaper in India all the way to like headline news in the US. Because um, it just, it, it, you know, it exponentially grows. And there's, you know, we have enough historical evidence of US military scientists doing wacky and weird stuff. You know, that's the thing. Like you and I have had this conversation before. Conspiracies do exist. You know, it's not as though... We're talking about one. <laughs> you know, the, the Russians... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just I immediately regretted the terms I used when I said that's Putin's master plan. It's like, oh God, I sound like one of these we people. We sound like, yeah. But, so that's But that that's doesn't mean, too. you know, again, it's like there's, there's... I can point to actual evidence that shows how this works. Whereas the Q people, actually, you know, kind of can't. I mean, that's the difference. And they have to go fall back on, you know conspiracy red herrings and lemons like the lack of evidence shows that they're covering it up so well <laughs> yeah um there's so q has a vast uh, mythology about it and the, it changes all the time there's no way we can get into all the details we've got i've got n notes here about the underground mold children and the adrenochrome drug being sucked out of them and all and i i think i want to kind of focus on a few key things let's talk about like trump himself and his attitude towards this because it's changed and it's it's changing just quite recently now yeah well so as as a bit of context here so the, like the republican party didn't want trump and the the establishment brass pushed against him but the the i suppose the actual um grassroots of the of the party back in 2015 2016 kind of liked him and liked him more and more and more and so over time essentially either you, if you wanted to make it in the Republican Party and you were going to go up in a, what they call a primary, which is your attempt to become the party's nominee um, to, be, to be a candidate, basically, in the election, at some point around 2016 and especially after 2017 when all, and, and 2018, when all of the top brass of the Republican Party just accepted that Trump was the party now and we were just going to go all in on him. So much so to the point where in the national convention this year, 2020, they just had no platform whatsoever and said, we continue to support Donald Trump's America First agenda, which, which basically says whatever Trump wants to do, we're okay with, which is, I mean, as cult of personality as you can get. But what essentially happens, what I'm describing here is that once upon a time, you had kind of different types of Republican parties all around the country in the US. And over time, essentially, it becomes like... Uh, political suicide if you want to become a Republican candidate or even if you are already a sitting member of Congress or the Senate to go back against Trump because the grassroots voters, the kind of people who vote in Republican primaries, the members of the party itself are so in on Trump. And so the essential dynamic I'm describing is that MAGA as this kind of, I suppose, populist cult of personality movement eats the GOP alive and eats its lunch. And what we're seeing now is that Q is starting to infiltrate that. Yeah. In I was going to say this precisely like we they didn't stop one cult from eating them up from inside. Why will they stop this one? You know? Yeah. And, and what we're seeing is that Trump had been or has been over time 
retweeting stuff that has kind of cryptic Q stuff in it, which of He'd course... He'd been ambiguous about it for a long time because I think he knew that he wasn't going to disappoint these people, but, you know, it was a bit beyond the pale for a long time. Uh, yeah, I think I, that's changing now. Yeah, I think he, chances are he didn't really care that much, but just like... Oh, no, kind I don't of, think he knew what it was for yeah, a long time. Yeah, but, but he could see that the Q... The presentation of the world from the Q perspective is very, um, you know, it, it 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 holds Donald Trump in high veneration. So he likes that. So he's going to retweet things that kind of kiss his ass and sing his praises or whatever. But of course, this is all seen in a you know, far more macroscopic perspective from the, the Q followers. I think that like, these are all hints and Q, uh, clues towards bigger things. So as the Q movement within MAGA grows, and like I said, this is something that has been like expedited over the course of the pandemic, just because so many people have had so much time um, away from the things that kind of grind you down on a daily basis, whether it's eight-hour shifts at work that people were no longer on, or you know the the hobbies that people weren't able to do, etc. So it's just like people people's time online went into overdrive. Um, and with Corona and the lockdowns and everything, this, the the tendency that some people have towards distrust in government, which is like a big folk almost religion in the U.S., or at least a, a form of folk political culture, it's kind of you know very degraded form of libertarianism. This all kind of got people's dander up, or a certain type of person in the U.S. their dander up against government control or whatever. And so what we see is, let's say, just at a basic level, members of the the, the largest Q Facebook group increases from 213,000 members in March to 1.4 million by July. Um, that number, by the way, is from Marc-Andre Argentino, who's an online extremist uh, extremism researcher, actually at my alma mater, Concordia University here in uh, Montreal. And so what we see is that by the time Trump is kind of asked a direct question about Q in August, he doesn't deflect like he had in other times firstly because it's just become such a big deal and we're starting firstly to, uh, secondly to see um congressional candidates and and, and primary candidates in the republican party like being both implicitly and explicitly pro or, or you know uh, q followers and he says in july in august he's a quote well, I don't know much about the movement. I'll just say, as an aside here, that's one of Trump's big things when he's about to wade into some, some lies and bullshit. Well, I don't know much about it. He says, well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, which I appreciate it. But I don't know much about the movement. I have heard it's gaining popularity. These are people who don't like what's going on in places like Portland and places like Chicago and New York and other cities and states. I've heard these people. these are people who love our country. So he's kind of, you know... I'd say the first half of that is true. He doesn't know anything about them except that they like him. <laughs> and he's not hes not bothered reading beyond... I don't know, maybe... I'm not so sure, to be honest, because, like I said, that's a that's a, a strategy that he he tends to um, to utilize more broadly, to say, oh, I don't know much about that, when it's clear that he does. And you, you have to remember, Trump is on... He watches a, an astonishing amount of TV. He's pretty online. You know, like, the online world is such a bizarre space that, you know, there's this... Like, there's this expression that I see in, in, in art news articles a lot, like, if you're not excessively online, let me explain this thing to you, you know? Because the, the, you know, the Twitter people who live on Twitter, the, they know about all these fights and beefs and arguments that take up a lot of, you know, space in this bizarre corner of the internet that if you're not plugged into, you'd have no idea that people are tossing and turning and huffing and puffing in all these ways. But I think what he's doing there is when he talks about Portland and Chicago and New York, that's his kind of uh, phony 
baloney law and order message. That's for a general audience. But when he says, I know they like me a lot, he kind of says, at the, 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 the second half of that speech, I don't actually have quoted here, is he kind of says, like, why wouldn't they like me? Because I'm great. And then, you know, sings some of his own praises, which, of course, then they see all this as great. The Q people, you know, celebrate this online, especially when they say, I've heard these are people who love our country. And that's classic Trump, you know, never, anyone who likes him can never, cannot be condemned, no matter what they do, who they are. So that's him just kind of being egotistical, but it's also him knowing that this is a, a thing that's um, driving people in a, in a political way and in, probably in an electoral way. And so he wants to make sure that he doesn't um, cast any shade on them. But of course, saying this, he, I think he knows enough about it to know that this will actually increase the passion and enthusiasm amongst the, the, the Q portion of his base. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I'm perhaps. Yeah, I'm not giving him enough. I'm attributing to him the sort of short attention span that he seems to have when it comes to researching or reading anything. But well, I think he has an. He sure watches a lot of TV. Yeah, he has an incredibly short attention span when it comes to reading presidential briefings. But I think when it comes to scrolling Twitter and and um, watching Fox News and bright, reading Breitbart and watching One American News Network. He has a lot of uh, stamina. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the so the latest iteration of all of this is the the save the children thing. And like we said at at the top, it, what's kind of odd about it, in what's kind of worrying about it, is that it it's taking this thing which was at least niche and uh, kind of extreme and seeking into other areas and finding new converts, even in some ways where people don't actually know that it's a Q thing originally. Yeah, it seems like. Like I said at the start, the the kinds of online communities that have a predisposition towards distrust of authority, whether that's uh, corporations or big pharma or whatever, they're kind of being led into this now. Um, and so I had um, um, Ali Breland, who's a, a journalist with Mother Jones, has done some good work on this recently. And he was tracking the growth of QAnon, like soft QAnon stuff through this Save the Children angle in the anti-vax community online, but also in alternative wellness and lifestyle influencers, uh, uh, particularly in, on Instagram, apparently. And, and they're all going with the Save the Children um, angle. So this came out of something that happened only a, a month or two ago that they called the Wayfair Conspiracy, which is basically one woman notices that an online shop that sells furniture has some strangely priced products. So there are like, I don't know, suitcases and, uh, you know, chests of drawers that are like thousands and thousands of dollars. Cabinets and, she and closets. Cabinets, yeah. And she decides that must mean that they're smuggling children inside them and then you can buy them online, which is obviously totally how a secret people smuggling children selling operation would work. And there, there, was, then, there was a part of it too where some way in which the kind of the, the skew associated with each um, item would have names attached to them or at least some of them did and some of them didn't which yeah would like, like that's how the pedophile would know which child they were buying so they tied the name of the product to the like they obviously scrolled you know missing person lists until they found a match and you know name checked a couple of kids who were supposed to be missing and said oh that this is what happened to her and like the kids popped up online and like hit back on this you know, like this, like a second's 
and they weren't they they had run away and come back you know two years ago that was it was that sort of a scenario like a second's research would have told you that this was nonsense but that that's it's not good faith research you know yeah and also just the the people who um are in the queue online echo chamber or ecosystem are never going to hear the refute the refutation and they don't they've you know kind of I suppose, snookered themselves into positions, and not to say that everybody doesn't do this the way that the internet has been structured, but they snooker themselves into positions where they're not actually cognitively capable of taking information seriously unless it comes from one of their pre-approved sources, you know, from a mental perspective. So, you know, your, your kind of Q-decoding YouTube page tells you this, and it doesn't matter who refutes it unless it's someone in the movement, you know, they've, they've compromised or they're part of it or... I want, I want to talk about briefly the way in which this element of it has taken off among, amongst groups of people who don't necessarily even care about Q or know that it, it's tied to Q. Because as you say, like the, 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 the want to save children is obviously this like unquestionably pure motive. Um, but but this, this conception of how like people trafficking operates is completely bogus and completely like the idea that, you know, nefarious organized gangs are like snatching you know, middle class people off streets in, you know, shopping centers and car parks and stuff, uh, you know, when the reality is like people who are trafficked are, you know, people who are already in trouble because of homelessness, because of drug addictions, because of various other systemic problems. But that's not sexy enough. You know, you don't you don't want to go and rescue people who, you know, have gone into these perhaps questionable professions or questionable circumstances because they don't have any other options. That's not, you know, that's not like, oh, I'm rescuing a bunch of kids. I'm opening a door and finding a basement where all these perfectly nice, clean, healthy, God-fearing people have been kidnapped against their will. You know, again, it's a simpler, dumber, black and white version of reality. Yeah, and the like what the sort of the arch, you know, uh, I don't know, if we say pedophile or sex trafficker or whatever, but the arch nemesis of all this is, you know, I suppose Epstein to a large degree. And if you listen to the testimony of the people that he... Uh, is supposed to have or allegedly had trafficked and violated and whatnot. Their stories are, they're horrific, but they're horrific in their banality. You know, it's... He didn't capture people and hold them against their will in a basement or in a cage. He groomed them over months and, you know, messed with them sort of psychologically. And so, like, people have completely the wrong idea of how most kind of child abuse and, and people trafficking happen. Most child abuse happens within families. And most people trafficking happens semi-willingly, if you want, by people who go into these professions or, you know, get get kind of attached to um, uh, people who exploit them because they feel they don't have any other choice or because they're, they have, they're living in poverty or with depression or with uh, some other issues that are far more systemic than they are. You know, it's it's not... Oh, yeah. It's about... It's really... It's a story about patriarchy and sexism and the vulnerability of socioeconomic brackets and the way in which people will, in the short term, tolerate bad things because of material advantage, you know, and then realizing this, you know, long term. And again, how kids can be manipulated because they don't understand the full gravity of what's happening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Again, it's all very banal in its horror, you know, like not to underplay it, but it's not this international man of mystery kind of thing even if some of epstein's crimes happened on a, an isolated island you know that's yeah 
you know, and I, I would say chances are a lot of the worst stuff happened in his Palm Beach mansion rather than his, uh, his um, uh, you know, isolated island. And, you know, and of course, Trump lived down the road from, from Epstein. <laughs> uh, and yeah, now and they were they were friends and they were connected for for some years. Um, but that, yeah, that gets swept by the by. Yeah, in the, um, in the same way that I think, you know, political corruption is often seen as this uh, this dark and shady thing. That's where the deep state seems to have some currency. But in actuality, a lot of the, the I suppose, the, the corrupt aspects of um, the political system is all done openly. It's not actually particularly in the shadows. It's no, the deep state is a metaphor for something which in reality is more boring and less sexy than, you know, a group of evil Satanists. Exactly. And if you said the words deep state at a political science conference, I mean, your, your credibility is shot. It's not a thing that people who understand governmental structures would ever really say. But then trying to explain what, what the corruption actually is, is both more complicated and less interesting, perhaps. Like this, the, the real, like I said at the top, the real stuff that came out of the Podesta emails was all about, you know, how the Clinton campaign was up to its neck in 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 banks and big business which kind of everyone knows anyway and we maybe we should be more angry about it but it's not dramatic and sexy so it's kind of hard harder to sell yeah it's just old-fashioned corporate capture um and the way in which money operates in the american political system like political donations are seen as free speech so they're you know there 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 are I would say very warped incentives, uh, restrictions, and and structures around the way in which money is able to operate in the American political system, and so it's kind of and the the fractured nature nature of the parties as well because it's such a diverse country with, you know, fifty state parties that then come together at national level but don't really. It's just it's like it's a divide and conquer system for the the corporations. They have much uh, like their money can go much much further in that system than it can in, let's say, a smaller country with more tightly organized national political parties. Um, and again, it's all kind of in the in the open. Like if you look at, let's say, well, not all of it's out in the open, but of course, you know, with freedom of information, whatever, we're always trying to find it out. But you know what to look for because the arrows are in, in, in the open. So if you look at something like the, the Heroes Bill that they passed in the United States regarding coronavirus economic relief or whatever, if you look at the way in which um, uh, business businesses were allocated money or whatever, which is available through freedom of inf- information. You see that businesses that had no business taking money off of the government got huge, huge, huge slush funds essentially from the government while small businesses were allowed to die. And Mitch McConnell at the moment has been holding up any further relief to amazing suffering going on in the US because of the coronavirus and the economic fallout because... He wants max like full uh, liability waivers for all businesses for anyone who would get corona on their dime or on, in their venue or whatever. Which and again, it's just the typical like we are going to uh, what's the word? We're going to prioritize the the plutocratic agenda over reg- regular everyday people. The twenty seventeen tax cuts were eighty percent of the tax cuts go to the top one percent. You know, it's all there to be seen. It's it's kind of relatively transparent in the way in which they operate. Um, it's it's kind of boring, you know, and <laughs> you have to like actually read these gigantic bills line by line to try and figure out what's going on. And it's again, it's like the only way I can describe it is it's banal, it's mundane, it's 
but it's significant, of course. But like that's why not everyone wants to read legislation because it's it's not a it's not a fun read. You'd rather read the phone book, really, if you had to. <laughs> okay, I have a sort of a, a wrap up question. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to mention before I do so? Yeah, so just say real quick that um, at um, at Media Matters, Alex Kaplan, good journalist there, has put together a list of the candidates in the 2020 elections in the States, which are on November 3rd. Uh, 11 candidates who won their primary, so they're actually going to be on the ballot in November. There are actually a huge number more than that who were Q supporters but didn't win their primaries. But there's going to be 11 uh, implicit or explicit Q supporters uh, on the ballot across the United States. Um, there's only really two that have been absolutely kind of explicit and full-throated in their uh, sort of Q-ness. The others have done things like given interviews where there's something Q-ish behind them or they've retweeted something or they might have done, uh, like there's a couple of kind of key um, uh, Q slogans. And so they might have, you know, put out a hashtag with the WWG1WGA, which is the Q slogan, which is where we I'd go one, we go too. all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, where we go one, we go all, but it's always written in this way with the one in the middle and the acronym. The other one is that the day when everybody realizes what's actually happening is called the Great Awakening. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about the storm. Yeah, yeah. They have all yeah, this. In, they have all this language that is, is in group language. Yeah. So about um, nine of these people on the on the list of eleven who are on the ballot have done things like this to kind of signal to those in the know. Hey, wink, wink. I'm on your side. Don't worry. I'm part of the movement. Right. It's always described as a Q movement. The two have been kind of out there full-throated in their Q-ness. So the biggest one, the most prominent one, is um, a Republican candidate um, in Georgia in actually what's, what's seen by most observers as a solidly uh, red seat, meaning that she's extremely likely to get into Congress, right? So kind of a, a safe Republican seat. Her name is Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she had done a whole bunch of kind of uh, what they call in the wrestling business selfie promos, just basically talking into her phone where she'd said a whole bunch of awful stuff. She had said anti-black racist things. She had said uh, um, Islamophobic things. And she kind of gave a really impassioned defense of Q. Back in the early days of the conspiracy theory, actually, in the uh, at the end of 2017, uh, she's saying Q is a patriot, Q is a great man, he knows what's going on, blah, 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 where we go, when we go, all this kind of stuff. Um, but those were all deleted. But then, of course, you know, with these intrepid doxers and whatnot, uh, unearthed them and instead of disowning them which is what some of the other um kind of q people who are on the ballot have done you know they they put out these qualified apologies or disavows or or distance themselves and these you know kind of don't worry i'm still in it but for the normies i guess i'll say what i need to say you know kind of things but i think probably just because she's a really like grassroots candidate really in touch with probably Again, in a solidly red district in Georgia, you're probably talking about serious MAGA folks there. She just went, yeah, I'm all in on Q. Um, and Trump gave her, when she won her primary, Trump gave her a resounding she's going, you know, tweet saying she's great and she's going to go and uh, be a great member of Congress for us, which even some, like, even some of the Republican brass who have all been absolutely converted into Trump sycophants 
uh, said this is awful this is too much this is too far so she was described as vulgar and beyond the pale and stuff by some of those people well they're going to have to learn to kiss her ass now because Trump likes her and she's actually seen now bizarrely even prior to her election as kind of like a potential rising superstar in the party uh, the other one that's maybe worth noting is Lauren uh, Boebert who is on the ballot for the Republican Party in Colorado she's in a, in a maybe a less sure uh, seat there. Um, Colorado is kind of a purple state. It swings blue, swings red. Um, but she said some very, very, very serious Q stuff that, of course, helped her win her primary. But then what often happens in those less solidly MAGA areas or less solidly anything areas, you, you kind of run in the primary to the extreme and then you pivot back towards the center when it's time to try and win, a, you know, a more to win more votes to get a full mandate, basically, because you have to try and steal some voters from the other side. So she tried to do a, oh, come on, you guys didn't think I was serious with that Q business, did you? Lol, fake news, I never liked you, this kind of thing. So she's she's being a bit more cautious about it, but her previous endorsements of Q were explicit rather than implicit. Um, so those are kind of maybe the people to watch. You, you had mentioned Michael Flynn, who had distanced himself from some Q stuff prior, like he was working with a with a Save the Children kind of oh, style thing. Did you thing. see him taking the Digital Soldier pledge? I did, yeah. Oh my goodness. But he, 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 had, he was supposed to do some charity work, I think, with a group that was on the kind of self Save the Children uh, end of things. And it was pointed out in a journal article, sorry, not a journal, like a news, newspaper article, like, you know, this is just a Q thing, whatever. And then he said, oh, I'm not going. But since June... Apparently, he's just decided, like, in for a penny and for a pound, I'm going all in on this. Um, and he's, yeah, he did the, uh, he did a pledge of where we go one, where we go all, um, and a few other things. And he's he's a former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. He was the first national security advisor that Trump had. He didn't last very long. And uh, he had to recuse, he was in, in big trouble right, almost right away. Um and there's a good chance he could still go to prison, actually. Um, but yeah, so th th those are probably the most uh, high-profile people, uh, especially uh, in Colorado and Georgia, those candidates for Republican Party. But it, this is essentially a right-wing thing. It's a Republican thing. Of the 11 candidates running who are uh, Q-affiliated, if, if I can use that phrase, 10 are GOP and one is independent. Uh, but that independent candidate is in California, where uh, independents are larger in number than are Republicans. I mean, Republicans are just have no hope in California virtually at all. Like you've got Democrats run the state as almost like a monolith. Then you've got independents. Then you've got uh, Republicans. So to call that person independent doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to then merge essentially with the Republican caucus if they were to win their seat, which, of course, they, they won't uh, in a solidly blue district. So part of this, again, the groundswell uh, from the GOP MAGA base toward Q is making it so that Trump doesn't want to go against it and is getting louder in his kind of implicit and explicit endorsements. Who do you think, do you think Q has been the same person since the beginning? I'm tempted to say no, but I honestly have no idea. No, I, nobody does. I suspect because he's jumped platform a few times. And, and he, he went, went away for, for he went away for a good while too, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, for much of twenty nineteen, he had died off, and uh, apparently, at the end of twenty nineteen, and in the in January and February of twenty twenty, 
Q was losing traction. Um, again, that Mother Jones uh, journalist, Ali Breland, that I mentioned earlier on, he reports going to Trump rallies in October <clears throat> and Q was everywhere, right? And the vendors were selling the Q gear and everything. And he went to another one then in December and uh, less people wearing Q gear, less people understanding what Q was when he went around asking. And the vendors who basically like have made it their, you know, their their job to follow around Trump rallies and sell MAGA hats and Trump t-shirts and flags and all the rest of it. They were saying that like, oh yeah, we're, we've totally um, decreased the amount of Q gear that we're selling or merchandise that we're selling because people don't want it anymore. So, and, and like, again, those Facebook numbers, the social media numbers were on the decrease in the early months of 2020 and the, um, the coronavirus really ramped it back up. And that's, you know, that's when you see Q kicking into high gear as well so that could just be some opportunistic person oh yeah i suspect the the original person probably was a a random shit poster who just kind of struck gold and probably didn't expect it to take off but i think at some point there was probably a break from the original person and maybe a group of the former grifters got together and put together a program i don't or maybe just one enterprising person i don't we, we, we don't know at the moment at the time of recording it's being speculated that it's the guy who owns 4chan who's like some pig farmer who lives in the philippines but i don't i don't buy that myself oh, he might be involved but i don't think i don't think it's him is 4chan it's really made by a pig farmer in the philippines yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy jim watkins you should see him some face on him and um, the last thing i want to talk about don is uh people who are into this uh I'm like there's really really sad forums where people talk about like losing family members to this it's it's all encompassing and it really takes over people's lives i just want to mention a few things about dealing with people who are interested or who, who have bought into this sort of thing and i just just kind of basic stuff about talking to conspiracy believers like do listen don't be dismissive i mean whether or not we've been dismissive tonight, I don't know, but we're talking about what we believe is actually real and not. But, you know, don't be don't be dismissive because it doesn't work. Yeah, Even it's, if they it's, believe something completely out there. Yeah, it seems as though shaming people out of things that they have, again, it doesn't work. especially attach some, some social and cultural value to, to the point where their identity is, you know, entrenched in it, that shaming people out of that doesn't work. It's like... You can't shame someone out of being religious if you're an atheist, no. or you can't shame someone out of being an atheist if you're, relig if you're so religious. You, That's not you, how belief works. You be as respectful as you can. You try and keep them connected to something tangible, something meaningful, whether it's family or, or otherwise, and just do your best to ensure they have at least one foot in the real world. Um, and, and just, I mean, hopefully I've been doing this and, and, not, and not being completely one-sided on things, but like agree where and when you can. You know, if I, if I think that the Democrats are, are shady dudes up to their neck in like corporate money. Yeah, I look, I'll pop in and say that and agree and, and just try and portray myself as someone who's not blind to all these things that are going on that do feed into the conspiracy and just chime in when you can call something out that's not true and then and then agree where you can as well. And some, you know, it takes time. You won't you won't change anyone's mind in one conversation, but it, it you've got, you can't play into their notion that everyone is against them and out to get them and and part of the the cabal yeah and and don't cancel them or don't allow them to cancel you and in order to have fruitful conversations about these kinds of things and almost about anything when it comes to contentious or divisive issues you have to 
uh, speak at a middle ground. Because if you go macroscopic, you're not going to persuade anyone because they've got a meta-narrative. And if you go microscopic, that's like you can't talk about conspiracy theories profitably at, my, at the level of micro details. Because, I mean, that's what especially like very, very hardcore conspiratorial thinkers are really good at is to you know, run rings around you with tiny, tiny, tiny details and factoids and make you feel like you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, if you ever talk to a 9-11 person, they start talking about the weight of the glass in the windows versus the weight of the steel in the plane. Well, then why did the building fall this way? It's like, well, that's not what we're talking about. You know, you have to talk at middle level because you talk at big level, it goes nowhere. And at micro level, it's actually, if they're a good, a sophisticated kind of believer, they're going to actually probably end up punking your ass rather than you talking any sense into them. Okay, we'll leave it there, Donald. Thanks for all the reading and research you put into that. You're very welcome. Okay, hopefully we'll be back again real soon with other things to talk about. So I'm Kean. Thanks to Donald. So as always, stay safe and thanks for listening. We are certain that Satanism exists. It's the practice of evil. And following closely behind this car was this unidentified flying object. You will prove the existence of the Bigfoot or Sasquatch by bringing in a body.